Welcome to the London Welsh Rugby Club podcast. This is episode 25. Thanks for the feedback on last week's Joe Jones episode. It really is a privilege to chat to people like Joe, who has been involved with the club for over 40 years and is such a popular character around the club. We didn't really dig into all the choir stories, but he does so much for our club and having the choir at the lunch and post-match really makes match day a special experience for many of our supporters and much of that is down to him. We had a great day last Saturday at the inaugural Ready for Rugby tournament where we had the women, men, Monday Night Touch squad and our Colts mix up in teams to play non-contact rugby. A great day had by all with all teams wearing London Welsh shirts and then having a few socially distant drinks outside a rainy clubhouse. Whilst a great day for the club, it was a mixed day for the Jones family as I had three of my children participating and I was refereeing. The boys clashed heads in a game I was refereeing and couldn't play any further part in the tournament. And in the very same game, Morgan Brown ran straight into me and literally floored me. And I thought I'd broken a rib, such was the force. Anyway, everyone was then looking for my eldest daughter to try and drag her off the pitch to save the family from having any more injuries happening to us all. We would like to thank ODP for their cooperation, allowing us to do this, and to Pete Lowe for getting the kit sorted, Michael Talbot for all his usual energy on the day, and Ruth Barton for being the most organised person in the world ever. It was great to see some of our spectators present, watch some rugby and enjoy themselves. Our aim is to try and repeat this event again before Christmas. Our guest this week is someone we see at special events around the club on match days and also at mini festivals. Since the pod went live some six months ago, he has been asking to appear on it so everyone can understand his background and opinions on rugby. Personally, I was quite nervous about this interview as this was the first time I've ever interviewed a real dragon. We had a few brief connection issues as the internet was from West Wales. It was a bit unreliable. So this week, our guest is London Welsh club mascot, Derry Dragon. Enjoy. This podcast is sponsored by London Welsh Developments. London Welsh Developments offer the entire range of services for all your home needs, from plumbing, electricals, joinery, building and maintenance. There are many years of experience building all forms of extensions and conversions, the odd new build, and some bespoke garden rooms and home offices. You will clearly see the attention to detail and an understanding of your home that is difficult to match. They really do care and want the best for your home with no stone left unturned. For more information, contact London Wells Developments on 0208 335 9123 or on email at info at lwdltd.co.uk. London Welsh Developments. Welcome to the pod, our very, very special guest, Dewey Dragon. How are you, Dewey? Uh, I'm good, Gar. I'm very good. Yeah. Good stuff. Good to hear it. Now, I understand, right, you know, obviously you've been without rugby for seven months, like most of us. So I'm just checking in to see how your health has been during lockdown and have you been keeping fit? Well, it's been it's been a problem across the game during lockdown, hasn't it? Keeping fit and uh, well, I'm, I'm lucky I am uh, because I can obviously fly around ODP a few times, 
So having wings helps a bit with the aerobic fitness, but uh, it's keeping skill levels up that can be the problem. And um, uh, what's good, what I found is good is if you can buddy up and get an exercise partner or a training partner. And and obviously I've spent a lot of time with my mate, the Reverend James, and um, that's that's really helped keep the skill levels going. And I don't know, Gar, if you've seen the, um, the videos that the clubs put out, uh, right at the beginning of lockdown, uh, the club put out some brilliant videos made by the first team players, and I, I, I've used them. I thought they were they were great. There was one um, Chris Lilly, the club captain, did on catching the high ball drill. Starts with showing how to use your catch with your elbows, and then show you the strong position to get into once you caught the ball. And there was one by uh, Mark, I think, Mark Sutherland on handling drills, uh, throwing the ball as high up as you can and doing a down up and and then catching the ball. All of those things have been brilliant. So, um, yeah, it's uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in good shape, I think. I'm not too bad. Well, it's good to hear. And it's good to hear people, you know, like yourself, taking advantage of the time and effort being put into those skills of videos because we were getting quite a lot of views those videos and many of them were in west wales so that would have been you watching them so which is great that we i'm glad you that fit. would have been me yeah i'm glad you fit glad you're in my leg in west wales nah, that's good stuff so obviously there were your best known for your mascot work but tell us oh, how yeah. you got tell us how you got started in the game did you ever play rugby well well Gwyn, i i hail from the mountains of west wales and uh my, my rugby education was was there. Uh, if you're brought up in West Wales, um, there wasn't really any option of not playing rugby. And uh, my dad had played a bit, captain the village team, played a prop. Uh, and uh, he'd stopped playing by the time I arrived. But he used to take me down to the club to watch watch games. And occasionally I'd get to take the oranges on at half time. And, um, and then after the game, I'd, I'd sit outside the, the wooden clubhouse in the dark with a bottle of pop and a bag of crisps and then listen to the singing inside and uh, there was always singing and and that's that's what got me started i i was hooked um but, uh, you've got to remember in in west wales uh uh, uh that uh, all a lot of the pitches they're on hills so as a player um i very quickly became what nowadays they call an impact player you know so i'd only play the half when my team was playing downhill um, I had no sidestep, but I, I could slalom beautifully. Franz Klammer, they used to call me, and I still can't run uphill to this day. Were you not afraid of taking off at all with your with your wingspan? Well, that was a, that was a problem, but on 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 the other hand, on the upside, if you're you're seven foot, you're red, and uh, and you can breathe fire, you're only ever going to be seen as front five material. So that was that was usually seen as a real asset in the game. And uh, although it has to be said in West Wales, uh, there's not there's not a lot of difference between forwards and backs. Um, in fact, quite a lot of the teams look like they'd put 15 uh, front row forwards on the pitch and and do quite well on it regularly. And he said, need all men or women, but we won't go into that. <laughs> <laughs> um, famously, you're 900 years old, Dewey. So how has the game changed in that time for you from a from a playing perspective and now maybe more of a spectator? Oh, that's a, that's a great question, Geraint. And um, it's changed a great deal, obviously. Um, back in the day in West Wales, uh, near my lair, before, even before the rugby unions were established, uh, we used to play a thing that was basically rugby called Knapan. 
which which was basically what that was what clapan was was a hundred aside game between two villages no rules anything goes uh people used to run up to play on horseback and everything uh, great fun but uh tough to referee though you'd have you'd have had your work cut out gar it must be like uh, it must have been like uh refing a riot and uh yeah it's my background in clapan i think that make, make means that that's why i like uh working with the minis uh, what else has changed? Well, is, um, there's a lot more emphasis on skills now, isn't there? The, the ball's become much more important, even, even for the forwards. When I played, if you're a forward, you didn't worry too much about the ball. Uh, that was for the backs to sort out. And um, fitness levels, much higher in the game now. There was a lot of uh, walking from one ruck to another in my day. You wouldn't get away with that now. Uh, uh, but basically, I think the game's in much better shape now than when I was younger. Don't you think the, the the height of the players have changed somewhat? Because in your day they'd have been a lot smaller, but nowadays the wingers are all like second rows, and if you look at George North, well, six yeah. foot four and eighteen stone, that's a forward back in your day. Yeah, that's that's dead right. Yeah, no, George would have been right in the second row. No, no questions asked. So, given that your lair is in West Wales, Dewey, how come London Welsh became your home? And you know, also, I suppose what I'd like to know is. What what keeps you here? Because I imagine a man of with your high media profile and ability gets lots of offers from the Pro 14 and Premiership clubs. <laughs> yeah, well, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think like 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 most members get in. Uh, what what first got me over to London Welsh uh, was the shop. Uh, you, you you know Mike in the shop, do you? Mike runs the shop, runs the whole gas, I think. Well, Mike, Mike in the shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Mike. Well, I, I happened to be flying over one day because, um, well, you know, uh, uh, Odia Park is on the flight path to Heathrow. And as I was flying over, I saw the shop below and uh, I needed a, a new gum shield. So I dropped in and, uh, and I got chatting to Mike. I couldn't believe his range of stock and his, his, his knowledge of the game. And uh, that's where it that's where it started, really. And then um, a bit after that, I, I used I started taking Dewey Junior to watch the games at London Welsh, and um, yeah, uh, I, I remember on his sixth birthday, he got a happy birthday mention over the tannoy, and a, and a, a photo taken with one of the players, and uh, he was thrilled, and the rest was history. From then on, it's it's been our club. Fantastic. The whole dragon family. So, Absolutely. yeah, in terms of offers, you know, there's big money. Big money comes in, but you can't you can't buy that kind of feeling, can you? Where you know you get a court shout out on your sixth birthday. It's all about the match announcing, isn't it? And it's also where your Calon is, isn't it? It's all about Calon and your Calons at Oldie Park, isn't it? It is. It is. It's right there. Um. So you've re, you know, I've, I've heard, and you may maybe whisper this in my ear recently, that you've received global recognition for your innovative, total mascot approach, Dewey. Are there other mascots yeah. in the game that you admire? Well, I, I don't like to, I don't like to boast, but uh, yeah, when I say global, you know, I've had recognition in Australia, really, genuinely, all over the world. Uh, and uh, you'd think, wouldn't you, that the, the mascot world would be a bit dog-eat-dog. Uh, dog. But, um, but there are a few dogs, actually. Uh, London Irish have a dog. 
Uh, Northampton Saints have a dog. Ruckley, the England mascot, is a dog. But um, no, the mascot, the mascot world is quite a community, and and we do all get on very well. I I, I think you can tell uh, a lot about another mascot from their their bio line on their Twitter account. Um, so, for example, my mate, I got a big mate in Connaught called Eddie the Eagle. He's the he's the Connaught mascot, and his his bio line on Twitter is. Uh, Green is my favorite color. I find it hard to type with my beak. And, uh, you know, that's great. I read that and uh, I was reaching out to him straight away. I think that's great. But um, some of the other mascots on Twitter, it's, you know, it's not, it's not so great. There's one called Scorch, which is a, a WRU mascot. And his bio says, Scorch is an all new animated mascot help, created to help open the game of rugby to a younger generation while symbolizing Wales's rich heritage and culture. Well, um, we're, we're not keen. We're not keen on animated mascots, Gar. We're really not. I understand that. Uh, no, Scorch, Scorch is a bit of a bad apple in our view. You can't have just animated animations on a, on a machine. Oh, and the other bad apple, I'll tell you what, Bedford Blues. You know, Bedford Blues, Gar, they've, they've got a mascot. And fair play, it's a dragon. Uh, but it's a blue dragon it's a blue dragon guy that's in in dragon culture that's like a black sheep that's only a thousand <laughs> times worse you can't have a blue dragon um so we don't we're not we're not too keen on them but most of them you know most of the mascots the other mascots they're 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 a good lot um you got Captain Bembo at the Cornish Pirates and a few years ago you remember guy when we when the club was uh was was in the premiership well not in the premiership when they were in the championship uh we used to have cornish pirates up quite a lot and uh yeah he's he's a good one but obviously he's a bit of a pirate so you have to check your wallet after you've had a chat with him uh bath have got a lion that's um i think maximus the lion he's very friendly and then um, the dog now i can't remember his name but the dog at ealing train finders he's very friendly and i always think you know, if the mascot's friendly, that's usually a sign the club's very friendly. And if you think of all the times we take minis and youth over to Ealing, it is. You know, it's always a great welcome you get there. And uh, that's reflected in, in their mascot as well. He's great. Um, but uh, I suppose my favourites, to answer your question, my favourites are uh, Cochin, who's a red dragon at the Scarlets, and Rodney, who's another red dragon at the at the Newport Dragons, Newport Gwent Dragons. Um, both great, great, great mascots, very active in their communities. Cochin, not so long ago, was um, campaigning against keeping dogs in hot cars, which I thought was a nice touch. And uh, Rodney is just an all-rounder. You know, he's, uh, he's, he does community work. He puts a lot of fitness videos out. He's great on social media, and he's a, a very lively performer on match day. So... Yeah, so Rodney, I guess, of the Newport Dragon, Dragons just sneaks in as my favourite mascot. I just wonder then, do you, do you ever get an opportunity to to meet these other mascots in your line in line of work, or is it is it just purely via social media you get to see them? Yeah, usually just on social media because the thing about mascots is that you don't you don't really do the away fixtures. Uh, you know, it's the the sort of protocol is it's just the home mascot who's who's out on match day, not the away one. So, no, my 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 main job is just you know mascot work at Old Park. 
Okay, but uh, I did get an invite over to uh, Ealing Train Flyers, so I one day I maybe I'll make the I'll make the journey over to Ealing and um, get get a photo op with their with their mascot. That would be great. And there's some great hot dogs at Ealing Trail Finders when they have their festivals. So I hope you oh, I tell you what, Gar. They know they know the value of hot dogs and chips to the game. They really do. <laughs> um, do, do you have a favourite player at all, Derry? Oh, uh, very hard to choose just one Griff. Um, I, I'm going to choose a. Uh, well, look, put it this way: if if you if you make if you're trying to choose the you're like the, your greatest player of all time, and you make Kiwis, Fijians, Australians, French, and box eligible, it just becomes impossible. So you know, I'm going to choose a British Irish player, uh, and that's partly because uh, my ultimate rugby pleasure. Is is watching the Lions play. So so most of my favourite players are players who've shone for Lions on various tours over the years. Um, and and to narrow it down a little bit further, I decided I'm going to choose a forward because I think most people would go for a back, but we all know forwards are the important ones on the pitch. Uh, I, so I, I'm actually a, a big fan of a lot of the the forwards from the the current Welsh era. Uh, Alan Wynn, obviously, Warburton, Tipperick, um, going back a bit further, Martin Williams, Ryan Jones, great players, and I've really enjoyed watching them. Um, I was a big fan of Keith Wood, and, and, and Keith Wood always seemed to me to be, um, you know, the great Irish hooker. Uh, he always seemed, he seemed, when he was on the pitch, he seemed to have the ambition and, and actually the ability to try and play all 15 positions at once in any one game. I, I thought he was tremendous. Um, Richard Hill, I, I was a huge fan of. Um, I just thought he was, uh, you know, the ultimate workhorse, did all the hard work, all the hard things so others could shine. Um, and I still think, by the way, if he'd been fit, if he'd stayed fit, um, the Lions would have won the, the 2001 uh, series in Australia. He was he was that good. Um I always liked uh, Tom Smith, and, and you probably remember Gar. Uh, Tom Smith, uh, he played for London Welsh um, and then uh, went on to play for Northampton and uh, was a great Scottish prop. And on the, the Lions tour of 97, just took the opposition front row apart. They were all at twice his size, but he outscrummaged them all um, and no one saw that coming. Um, but but the the guy I'm going with for favourite player is uh, is Welsh, is a forward, and and also had to be a London Welsh player as well. And I think if if you're going to have this debate about who's the greatest, who's your favourite of all time, it's got to be someone who redefines their position. Um, so I think you know Richie McCaw did that at flank. To be honest, changed the whole way we see the the open side flanker. And um, and my favourite player, Mervyn Davis, um, he he redefined the number eight position in the seventies, and, and there's just lots of reasons, so many reasons for choosing him. Um, the the All Blacks always said that it was him more than any other player who won the Lions series uh, in uh, in New Zealand in seventy one. Uh, he's got a great nickname. That's another reason, Merv the Swerve, and and he was he was a really deceptive runner in the loose play but he had so much else to his game he tackled low and hard he he, he bossed the back of the line out um 
you know, he had he had real athleticism and passing ability. I think he'd been a, a basketball player and his passing was uh, incredible. And um, also he had that iconic look, you know, head bandage, moustache, um, and and just such a great his his rugby career is such a great story. I think he came he came up to London Welsh and started in the thirds, and then pretty soon they they brought him into the first without really knowing how good he was. He was just tall, so they said, "Oh, put him in that put him in the first. We're looking for someone with a bit of height." Um, and then after only six games for London Welsh first, he was named in the Welsh side. And you know this was this was this was back in the day, and. Um, you know, no no text messages or emails in those days. He, he bought a copy of the Daily Mirror and discovered that he'd been selected for Wales uh, in the in, in the corner of one of the sports pages. Um, that must have been a, a great moment. And then and then finally he was a teacher. You know, and back in those days in the sixties and seventies, uh, you know that that was the route. That was the route out of the valleys for sort of bright Welsh boys. You know, uh, get out of school, train as a teacher come up to London, get a job and and play for London Welsh. So, you know, he was a great player, uh, had it all and and was the sort of archetypal London Welsh great for me. What a great choice, Debbie. What a great choice. And what a fabulous memory you have for someone who's 900 years old. You really have yeah. a strong memory. I don't know where you're going with your long list of, of names of players that you, you like seeing play, but to choose Merv the Swerve, the iconic... London Welsh and Welsh and British Lion player to be your favourite is great. And I'm, I'm right in thinking, though, that some of the youth touring parties have Merv the Swerve days when they go away on tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of the youth boys have, have a day on their tour, wherever they are. Uh, they, they, the, the tour rules uh, dictate that on that day, they have to have a, a, a bandage, head bandage around, scrum bandage around the head. Uh, they have to have moustache they have to have sideburns uh, and it's it's quite a sight I can tell you and that goes for the coaches and the, the parents as well so seeing 40 odd people walking down the street <laughs> all dressed as Merv the Swerve is great and it's a it's a lovely way to remember him I think I, I completely agree with you so just go back to sort of your match days Debbie obviously the people at London Wales get to see the glamour side of your work can you give us a, a glimpse into what goes on behind the scenes? You know, what sort of preparation goes into your role? Well, Glenn, uh, this might surprise you, but uh, my match day routine hasn't changed. Um, it hasn't changed at all since those early days in West Wales. Uh, so match day for me is, uh, first of all, it's an early lunch. Keep it light. Egg and chips has always been my, my match day lunch, though... Uh, nowadays, they like you to have a more, you know, nut nutritionally balanced diet, don't they? So some match days, you know, I might go with sausage and chips, uh, get to the ground early. That's another match day must for me. Uh, walk out on the pitch early before anyone's around. Uh, do a mascot run, if you will. Um, get the feeling of the pitch, you know, heavy going, soft going, length of stud, that type of thing. And then uh, maybe touch base with the bar staff, you know, check they've got some full barrels of Reverend James on stream because, well, you know, it's uh, in this game, it's um, fail, prepare, fail to prepare, prepare to fail. It's a good saying. Not easy after uh, you have James out though, is it? <laughs> and um, listen to the choir, the choir's in 
always spend a few minutes listening to the choir and then that just gets you in the mood for the match and then out on the pitch with the minis bit of flag waving bit of cheering give the boys a good welcome onto the pitch give the opposition a nice welcome and then you know get going get behind the team no, it's good to hear that. It's good to hear. I, I knew you put a lot of effort into your match day um, pre pre preparation and just... People would think you just show up, but, it, you know, it's not the case. I know. Not the case. You, you couldn't be as slick as you are by just showing up. <laughs> you can see you put the preparation in and that's that's testament to the, <laughs> how you throw yourself into the role. And I really think everyone at Old Deer Park and London Welsh appreciate what you do. But um, but you really are most associated, really, with the, with the work you do with the minis London Welsh. What's so special about that side of things for you? Yeah, yeah. Listen, Gav, uh, great though those match days are, nothing beats turning up to Old Deer Park on a Sunday when the minis are at training or they have a festival. You know, uh, the little faces light up, they run over and give you a hug, you know, and that's just the coaches. It, it's, <laughs> I it's, thought you were saying uh, the mums then. <laughs> <laughs> That's the that's the after the watershed uh, podcast you're thinking about now, Gar. That's right. Yes, I know. I know. Uh, the coaches are always pleased to see you, aren't they, Dewey? They are. They're they're very pleased to see me. Now, listen. The the best thing about the minis is how early they start. You know, and they have such a great grounding with Seb and Julian, and how many of those stay involved with the club and stay involved with the game. And you know, you get to see them develop as players and and as people. And, um, you know, I, I just think, uh, you know, the club's got a lot of things right, but with the minis, it really, really has got it right. And, and I love the fact that we've got so many brilliant, you know, volunteer coaches and uh, they, they all buy into giving the, the young players, uh, you know, an ethos of fair play, teamwork, respecting the ref, um, you know, welcoming the opposition, uh, uh you know and 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 obviously they have a lot of fun and and i you know i love messing around on the side of the pitch with the ball and a bunch of minis you know they are they're just great great fun that's no, great to hear it's the important part of the club and they they say they all love seeing you when, whenever you, you're able to make it there on a sunday morning it makes their sundays even more memorable so thank you for putting that effort in Derby. it is generally appreciated i've just got one one last question for you really and that is really you know um you must have seen you know thousands of games in these 900 years but you know, what is the most memorable game you've ever seen do you think oh godwin when you know when i spoke to my mate uh reverend james about this he said uh oh you can't pick that game it's too obvious but look I'm, I'm going for what I think was definitely the greatest game of all time, which was the Barbarians versus New Zealand uh, in 1973. Uh, you know, it, it had everything, uh, it, 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 including, you know, that try that everyone uh, cites as the greatest try of all time when the Barbarians, you know, fielded it on their own line and ran it the whole length of the pitch. Um, and it had that brilliant commentary by Cliff Morgan, who, who's another huge, huge hero of mine. Uh, and, and in Wales, in West Wales, in, in the 70s and 80s, everyone knew the commentary to that try off by heart. You know, this is great stuff. Phil Bennett covering, chased by Scowen, brilliant. Oh, that's brilliant. John Williams, Brian Williams, pull in. John Dawes, great dummy. 
to David, Tom David, the halfway line, brilliant by Cornell. This is Gareth Edwards, a dramatic start. What a score. It's it's brilliant when you look at it again. It's it's well, people say it was the greatest match, and that was, you know, if not the greatest, one of the greatest sports commentaries of all time. And you know, that try was only scored four minutes into the game, but people forget just how brilliant the rest of the game was. And of course, two London Welsh players involved. JPR and John Dawes both playing and both involved in that try. So, yeah, it's got to be that game. Well, uh, oh, here's, here's, a, here's, a, here's a question for you. Uh, so, obviously, most of that Barbarians team were the, were the, you know, they were they were drawn together from the the Lions team that had toured and beaten the All Blacks in '71, and Carwin James was coaching that Barbarians team as well, and had coached uh, in in New Zealand in '71. But here's a question for you: Who was second row with Willie John McBride in that team for the Barbarians that day? Can you remember? I'd have been two years old, Dewey. You're nine. You got a few years on me here now, so uh, <laughs> um, I, I can't. Yeah, he was a guy called Bob Bob Wilkinson, an English second row, and uh, you know I, I watched a lot of rugby in the seventies, but I don't remember him. I couldn't even tell you, to be honest, what club he come from. But uh, he must have enjoyed that run out. He really, really must have. Anyway, your knowledge is second to none. I love I love hearing these stories. We could talk for hours, but I just want to to draw this to to a close now because. Um, no, well, I'm sure we'll interview you again in, in, in another 900 years. But, um, but you know, to you, Dewey, what does being part of London Welsh mean to you? Oh, um, oh there's, a, there's a simple answer to that, Gar. Um, community and friendship. And, you know, I, 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 I genuinely think, to be serious for a minute, there's, there's such a tremendous web of communal... Uh, cultural and, and emotional ties that hold this club together and, and span across, you know, time, space and generations. We've got such a lovely, lovely club tradition. And I genuinely believe that London Welsh now is in a great place, seeing itself as one club and also just just being the, just being the space where uh, Welsh rugby meets the world. And, and through being involved in this club, you know, I've met, and got to know people from Australia, France, Fiji, South Africa, New Zealand, Ireland, Germany, Scotland, Jamaica, uh, and Chiswick, which is uh, remarkable. Um, and, uh, and 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 look, you know, I, 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 the other thing I think is really worth saying that doesn't get said a lot, Gar, is I, I, I love a, well, a Wales win over England as much as the next seven-foot red dragon. But, but there's something really lovely about London Welsh, and, and I think maybe this is unique, uh, as being a place where uh, England and Wales come together as two rugby cultures, don't, don't you think? No, I, I agree. I agree with you, Dewey. I, I, I love the way that uh, London Welsh introduces so many English young players to Welsh rugby through you know through touring or through the visiting teams who come up for mini and youth from Wales to play at ODP and you know and, and I have to say and on heart I really love and admire the way so many English families embrace that and uh, and really get into the kind of spirit and traditions of of Welsh rugby it's so special and you know uh, 
I think what I'm saying is, in, in a very long-winded way, is it, 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 London Welsh brings people together, and it's a force for you know harmony, and uh, and bringing people together from different backgrounds. And uh, you know, we need quite a lot of that these days, Gar. No, we certainly do. Look, that we you play a big part in creating the culture, the atmosphere around um, ODP at weekends. Um, keep doing what you're doing. You're a big part of this club, and I've just got a sense that you know, you're going to be a bigger part, especially when this podcast interview goes goes viral and <laughs> and all the other mascots get jealous because that they don't have their their past their podcast interview so um look dewey you're 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 a top dragon and we love having you at, at london welsh stay safe and whenever the Thanks, se- whenever the season kicks off we'll see you flying over and paying us a visit all the best you didn't, ask me, you didn't ask me who my favorite ref was gar maybe we'll do that we'll cover that in the next in the next podcast part two yes yeah Good man. All right then. Cheers. Cheers.